Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. And so every person, wherever you're at, there's an opportunity for you to learn something in dance. And you get to learn how to lead, you get to learn how to follow. So it really doesn't matter if you have zero body awareness or all body awareness. Your connection to your own body will increase as you play in that space. And because it is play, it feels a lot more like magic. Welcome to another episode of Relentlessly Resilient, where real people share real life experiences and the tools they've developed to move forward and live their best lives. I'm Jenny Taylor. And I'm Michelle Scharf. I'm so excited, Jenny. I have been taking on a new venture in my life. Being involved in the singles world, I started going to some dances, and I'm like, oh, wow, I really don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) And then I didn't want to go anymore. And somebody told me about this dance studio, and this guy who's the instructor is, like, really awesome, and that he also talks about how some of the steps and parts of dance relate to relationships. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? So I'm like, well, I want to go check this out because I don't want to come dancing anymore unless I actually learn how to dance. I don't like this is not comfortable for me. So I went with my girlfriend the following week and met our guest today, Jake Trembath. And he is my dance instructor. I'm loving this because, (laughs) Michelle, you and I see each other all the time. And we talk all the time about life. This is the first you've ever mentioned dance to well, any of us. I know, because I'm old, and what am I no, doing dancing? I love it. And the other thing I'll say about Michelle is every time I have a conversation with you, I learn about another side of you. So I think this will be great to jump in. Um, when Jake got in the studio, he asked if I've ever danced, and the answer was like, sure, in junior high and high school, but not as an adult. So I'm excited to hear about you this. You should come. And- you would have a great time. You really should. It's oh, amazing. That'd be so, fun. so let me just, before we get started with Jake, we show up at the dance studio. There's a beginning class and then there's a second hour, which beginners can stay for that class. It's really low cost. It's great exercise. Like just the physical exercise, the hormones released from our muscles and tissues just from hanging out and doing the dance itself is amazing. But the other cool part is you rotate lead and follows every time we learn a new step. And so you're also getting to experience different people's tension and style and their experience, really. And so sometimes you feel like you're an amazing dancer. Sometimes you really have connection and you click. And other times you're like, can we hurry up and get to the next step? Because I want to switch partners. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I love that what you said about I think sometimes when we exercise or get into like a physical regime, we think about physical fitness, which of course is important. And then when we talk about our mental health, we think about being at one and maybe we need to have some therapy and some counseling. And we forget that the physical can be and is a huge part of the therapy of our body and those hormones and endorphins and things that get pent up in your muscles. And as we release them through that physical exertion, yeah. it's not only a physical exercise, it is also that mental Yeah, and I do exercise on a regular basis, but I'm going to tell you, this has taken my exercise practice on a daily. Um, My yoga practice is getting deeper and more intense. I'm more excited to actually get up and do it, and I'm more motivated, all from coming from this man's class once a week. It is such, it's like, I I can't You're like glowing as you talk about this. Okay, tell us more. Tell us more. So what... So, what is it? So I I want to start by introducing Jake and let him have a, a word in edgewise here. <laughs> He's kind of a soft-spoken guy. But one of the cool things he does is he starts his sessions by creating a very safe environment. And much like the environment we create on the show for our guests to come in and be very vulnerable and talk about very deep traumas, um, Jake creates a safe environment for those that are attending his class to maintain the safety within the class itself and even outside the class so that if there's inappropriate conversations or approaching outside the class, he will eliminate those people from attending. Mm -hmm. He is very much about creating a safe environment for the people that show up for him. So anyway, all of those things that I really want to give Jake the floor. Jake, welcome to our show. Thank you. Tell us about you and what resiliency means to you. So I'm Jake, obviously. Resiliency is such an interesting topic for me, I, uh, especially in the aspect of dance. So resilience to me is the ability to bounce back from struggle, whatever it is. And what I've found is in the dance community, a lot of people come that are single or recently out of a relationship and they're just looking to socialize again. They're looking for an easy place to just hang out and be in a safe space and kind of learn. And that's exactly what happened to me, which brought me back into dance after a seven year break. And it was the number one thing that helped me in my resiliency and my emotional health, especially mm-hmm. in relationships. As I came back into the the world of dating, it was a very scary place. I'm sure most of us have been there, especially not dating for eight years. Um, it just felt like I was a piece of meat in a meat market, and it mm-hmm. and it really didn't it didn't feel great. I had a lot of people approach me and ask me things and talk to me about things that I was uncomfortable with. And I, I just didn't really know how to, how to exist in that space, but I knew that there was a passion in dance. I knew there was something magic there for me and something healing. And it wasn't until I met two of my main partners that I started with three and a half years ago dancing. And I found, it's kind of interesting that you'd mentioned about the safe space that's created. I found a safe space in the dance that I shared with them. Uh And that is where the most magic healing of my last three years of my life has come from. And so they essentially created such a wonderful, safe environment. They opened their heart to me in a way that it just felt safe and I felt comfortable and I felt seen and I felt heard and I felt like I could play. I didn't feel like they were going to try to take me home. I didn't feel like they were interested in dating me. I just knew that they were there to just have fun and play with me. And that safe space did wonders for my ability to believe in myself again after uh, a harder relationship. Uh, dynamic. And so 
the magic that came from that wasn't just like, oh, I just felt safe, but it was actually I became a better dancer. And I became like every time I dance with these partners, my soul lifted and I just played at a new level. And all of a sudden I was better than I'd ever been. Literally my first dance with both of them, I was like, am I better or like what is going on? <laughs> and suddenly I realized that every time I danced with them, I got better. So it raised my say I was like a level 10. All of a sudden when I'm dancing with them, I'm a level 12. I go back into the world at like a level 11 or 12. And then I dance with them again. I'm at like a level 14. And all of a sudden I just kept getting better and better because of this magical safe space that was created. And, um, it opened me up in ways that I didn't know was possible. I really, I struggled with my belief to have a healthy relationship and, uh, in those spaces that they created and they just opened up to me and it, it showed me a piece of me that I didn't know was still there. And it helped me to believe in myself again. And so because of that, it's such an important thing for me to also do for others to create a safe space. When we think about dance, we think like, oh, it's especially for leads in the guy's mind. They're thinking, I don't know enough moves. How can I be good here? Like, how can I, I don't know enough. But what they showed me and taught me is it has nothing to do with your skill level, your knowledge base. And it has everything to do with how you make the other person feel. And when you start to shift your focus in dance, in magnifying your partner and helping their best qualities come out, same thing in relationships. It's literally direct correlation. When you shift your focus from what you're doing wrong as a person, because if you have that focus in your head, like, oh, I'm doing this wrong, I'm doing this wrong, they feel that energy coming off from you. And then they think they're doing things wrong. And it creates a downward spiral in your little three minute relationship that you have every dance. Mm hmm. But the second that you shift to being like, all right, how can I help them feel more safe? And you just look them in the eyes and share that space with them. And you get into a play space where you just open up and goof around and uh, giggle or do some goofy dance move. Suddenly they relax and your dance becomes better. You feel more connected. There's this magical little thing that happens where you both heal because you open up in a vulnerable space that before you thought was unsafe. And so... In that space and in that magic, I learned, number one, that there was something there for me. There was something magic there and that I needed to tap and play in with more. And so I really focused on dancing with these people that had done this for me. Two of them specifically, I still teach with them and work with them on occasion. But as I did that, I found a new level and a new dynamic within myself. And then suddenly, as I stepped into the next levels of my dance, I started attracting more and more people. I just, I'd go dance anywhere and... Fail not, I'd get one or two numbers, and not from girls, but from guys, asking me to show them how to do what I was doing. And so I've been to the Westerner and a few other dance clubs, and every time I get a guy's number, <laughs> and they're asking me to teach them how to dance. And oh, you're a beautiful dancer. And thank you. Yeah, you're fun to watch. Like, it's intoxicating in its own way. It's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> you just make it look so simple. Yeah. So I'm curious, what's your background in dance? You said you, you had been away from dance maybe for like seven years. So did you have some technical instruction in dance or you were just kind of like born moving and could just roll with it? I've always been athletic. So I've played sports my whole life. Uh, I played rugby internationally. Like I, I'm very connected to my body. I have never, in high school, I tapped into dance a little bit. I did some line dancing back in Colorado. I started getting into partner dancing a little in college. I took a couple of classes. I've always kind of had a thing for dance. So I've always like, I've kind of been a part of country swing since high school. It's always been in the back of my mind, but it's never been a huge focus of my Okay. Life. So I didn't know if you'd been like an instructor for years and then you stepped away and then you came back, but you 
you kind of dabbled in it, and now you've really just found something deeper than the physical motion. Yeah, yeah and he's going to have to get a new studio. <laughs> yeah. Not big We're enough. running out of space. Yep. Uh, we are running out of space in a quick hurry. Mm-hmm. I think people are, I mean, I tell everybody, how can you not tell people when you go and you enjoy something so much? So other single women, I have a book club every month. I was talking about it at my book club and encouraging the women to go like that'll be five or six more women that might show up, you know, mm-hmm. and there's something magical about your space because yeah. without fail. And I've now been four times. I've only missed one week. I was sick. Every time people come through the door, you walk in and you're like, oh, well, there's not going to be enough leads here. And all the leads show up. And then more women show up and then more leads. And it always seems to balance out magically. It's crazy. Like you don't really know who's going to show up. And then all of a sudden it just works out. Yeah. It's so cool. All right. Let's take a break and come right back. I want to learn what would it be like if I showed up at your studio? How do you bring a person into this safe space? We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andreas Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Okay, so here we are. You're talking about these different people coming into this space. I will admit, I don't know that I ever would have thought I'm just going to go dancing as some kind of healing opportunity. So, Michelle, when you first got involved four or five weeks ago, uh-huh. was it because you just wanted to dance in the social? Or yeah. did you view it as a therapeutic thing? No. Like, where I did it start? No, I didn't view it therapeutic at all. But Just fun. Social. My friend that said, I know this guy I've been once. He's really good. And he kind of talks about how it relates to relationships. And I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. And that didn't really connect with me because she didn't tell me anything about that. She just kind of told me that. Kind of mentioned it, sure. And then I showed up. And from the moment I walked into the door, he has some rules for everybody. He reiterates those rules with each class. And he just sets the stage up to feel very safe and to remind us that we're here to play and have fun. And the rules are all geared towards creating an equal playing field, which is really cool because we do have the lead follow, which is the masculine feminine dynamic there, but really it's about equality and respect. And so he does that with the rules that he, simple rules that he sets up. Okay, so Jake, tell me, like if I walk into your class... Do you, as the instructor, are you viewing, I mean, you're clearly viewing this as a therapy, a healing, something more than a physical activity. So do you invite people like, hey, come to my dance therapy? Or do you just say, come come dance, and then you're like, and while you're here, I'm going to teach you a few things. Like, it's very, it sounds like you're very intentional as you're talking about the safety of a, of a dance partner and the trust. It absolutely mirrors a relationship, especially an intimate relationship, right? So... Talk to me. Let's say I show up at your class. I'm brand new. How do you um, bring a, a client in 
And what does that process look like? I guess over time, do people stay for months and months and months? Do they come for kind of a certain amount of time and feel healed and then they're gone? What does that look like if I were to just kind of knock on the door, say, hey, I'm here to dance and maybe heal? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. So I don't advertise. I don't try to get people, literally people come because they're attracted to what I bring to a dance floor or they've heard from other people how magical it is in class. And so people that come in through the door, a lot of people are coming just for the dance experience. And most people, the most common thing I hear in my class is I did not know this was also therapy. (laughs) (laughs) And so, so when you come into class, most people are expecting dance and I, I do instruct everyone on dance. We're learning dance. That's the whole point. I've actually adjusted the style and modality to be very easy upon entry. So a lot of dance styles have a very specific step count. Like you're getting in there and it's like, all right, I've got to learn one, two, three, five, seven, you know, whatever the step count is, whether it's a four count, six count, eight count, my dance style is designed for easy access because we're not playing in, in something where you have to think about steps so much, right? Like country swing is a four count, but most people don't appreciate that. And it looks a little herky jerky, which is why we've kind of moved away from that into what we call a country fusion or it's also called bar coast. It's really just a blend of dance styles, but we dance on a slot, which is like training wheels for a dance that prevents you from having to think all the time. Cause as a lead, as you're learning dance, you don't want to be thinking, all right, am I doing the steps right? Cause you're, you have so many things to think about and thinking about your feet and how you're leading with your feet is just too much. And a lot of people, they'll actually drop out because they, they're just like, uh, I don't actually like this. They don't know that they, they like it or not. They just know that it's a hard thing to accomplish. And so we've eased the entry process, but as you come into class, most people are expecting dance. I usually intro with the rules. The rules are pretty simple. Basically dance is a practice. It's not a perfect, you're not sitting there. No one's there to just like be this exceptional, beautiful dancer. We're not trying to become professionals. We literally are there to release and to learn to play and actually to share that in a space of partnership. And so we talk about how the masculine, now lead can be girl or guy, but typically it is a guy. Um, The lead chooses into the masculine space and the feminine chooses into a feminine space. And it is literally masculine led dance. And so you're just agreeing at the beginning of the dance that this is what we're doing. So we're not sitting there thinking like who's leading, who's directing. It's an agreement that we say, all right, I'm going to take this role. You're going to take this role and we're going to play. And so that's kind of the idea that you can't really mess it up. If you're a level one dancer, level hundred dancer, it doesn't matter. And if your partner's level one or level 100, it doesn't matter. The dance that you create is going to be unique to you. It's a beautiful little dynamic that is yours. And so whatever it is, is perfect. And it's a great opportunity. And so the biggest hurdle that we have is people come new to class is that people get in their head and they think that it has to look a certain way or be a certain way or feel a certain way. And there is a feel to it, but at the end of the day, your dance is yours and wherever you're at right now is perfect. And if you see things that you can work on and adjust, great. But the reality is, is you're sharing a divine little tiny partnership and you're going to learn from that and it's going to apply to the rest of your life, which is where the therapy comes in. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is some of the guys, and I I won't use names because I don't want to call men out that I I doubt that they're going to be listening to this show, but so, and there's people of all ages there. So I've danced with 60 year old men. I've danced with 30 something. Some of them are married. Like it's a variety of people and you're switching partner every what, three or four minutes. What I've noticed, like there's this one gentleman that I dance with and he really wants to get the moves down. 
Like he's really learning the lean. He's like, I want to be so good at this. But he is so motivated and he's so excited. He does get in his head about it. But because he's so excited and I'm enjoying his excitement over it, I will say to him, hey, you haven't looked at me and you're you're not smiling. Will you be in this dance with me? And then we laugh about it and we can continue to dance. So it is about learning how to communicate with all of these different people that you're experiencing something very different with. There's one other gentleman that always gets kind of, he has this vibe and he draws that out of me. You know, I get my shoulders rocking into it and I'm like, I'm there with you. Let's, let's have this like intimate little romantic little hot dance. And that is fun for me. I love that. And then there's a guy that showed up last week and I was like, dude, you're not the instructor. <laughs> and, um, you know, I suffered through the, my three minutes and thought, amen, we're going to switch in a minute. <laughs> I don't have to be here very long. And the great thing about that is, and I'm not saying that to knock that man, he's got his own stuff that he will learn if he continues to come to dance. But the interesting thing is how I'm learning to better advocate for myself and get my needs met with different partners that I don't even actually know. See, that's the part that to me I'm thinking, I can see where this mirrors a relationship, but you're not in a relationship with someone for three minutes. Yeah, you are. I know, in in this, but like in in real life, in real life we tend to grow into these relationships of vulnerability Mm -hmm. and trust, and we tend to keep ourselves guarded, and those levels of intimacy and communication come over time. And you're saying, I'm going to walk in a room with a bunch of men I've never met, and over the next three minutes, we're just going to have this connection. So I'm guessing that's why you're using the word magic. So I would say, Because it doesn't sound logical without experiencing it. I'm just saying, right? And and I don't know how much you actually pick up on every single person that's there, but you probably do. And so I'm probably going to share some things that are not going to surprise you. I walked in the door. I was terrified. He immediately comes up to me and he says, you're better than you think you are. You're going to have fun. Like, just trust the process. And I struggled through that night and we learned some moves. And and I think it was the second week we learned some dips. And I was terrified. I was like, I don't trust these men. And then I started to realize, and I'm also doing my own coaching stuff, which you are aware about. I'm working on my stuff all the time. But through this process, I realized, and I did have this really negative relationship that I just got out of, right? Where that you're kind of carrying with you. I'm carrying that with me. And I didn't realize how I was carrying it with me. And through the, in two weeks, it snapped into my brain. I got it. I'm like, the problem is not that I'm not trusting these men. The problem is that I have learned to not trust myself mm-hmm. and I get to trust myself all mm-hmm. over again. So powerful lessons. These are not small things, but the How many people are in the the room? You said it it tends to be balanced between lead and follow, but are we five couples? Are we 20? Like, what does a normal Uh, session look like? Last session, we had 15 couples. Oh, wow. Yeah. Or is 30 people. So 30 people. Sure. I think we had more than that. It it might've been 40. How long, how long are you together in a session? I know it's three or four minutes at a dance at a time. Uh, We do one hour classes. So beginner class is one hour and then intermediate is one hour and we do open dance and kind of play afterwards. Yeah. And it's, so you do get some instruction uh and then you kind of get that. I love that you keep using the word play. It's not a word adults use a lot, yeah. right? Like we, We've forgotten we how tell, to play. We, or we don't give ourselves opportunity to play. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm catching that and thinking this to play and to let yourself let go of some of those walls that we all put around ourselves. Yeah. So fascinating. All right, we're gonna take a break and come right back. Okay, we're back. So we're talking about dance therapy, but you don't necessarily market it as therapy. In fact, you don't market it at all. And yet it's undeniably therapy. And the words that keep sticking out to me that you've used several times, safe space, magical, and play. So let's talk a little bit about how this can benefit. Michelle, I know you had a few thoughts about your own experience in this therapeutic playground where adults don't usually let ourselves play because that's for kids and we get all business-like and busy and talk about that. Well, so for me, the first time that I showed up, I was like, well, and, and I heard him talking about, you know, this is a connection between the masculine and the feminine and the feminine needs to trust. And and the masculine needs to be trustworthy. I mean, it goes both ways, right? Yes. And, <laughs> um, and here we are in Stranger Danger Land because I don't know any of these people. Yeah. So talk to us about that and how you can develop intimacy quickly. Yes. How how do we develop that in dance? So in the dance dynamic, everyone is coming from a different experience. And so we have to be conscious of that. And what's actually interesting is when you dance at the Westerner, if anyone's been, it's a little bit herky-jerky. There's a lot of pulling. There's a lot of shoulders that are just getting kind of tugged around. That's kind of classic country swing for the uneducated. And that's why I push in this new style because when I dance there – Every partner I get from one of those people that's tugging you all around the floor and not focusing on really because dance is really a, it's a balance and it's an invitation and it's tension based. You're actually not gripping your partner or pulling your partner. You're leading and guiding. And so what I work on with the leads is to, to slow down and to really like allow yourself to be trusted. And you do that by not controlling your partner. So you don't have your thumb on their hand. You're actually leading them with only tension and what that does is it creates a safe uh, place of trust. Um, I've done dance competitions where even good leads, they're using their thumbs and they're pulling their partner around the dance floor. They're not conscious of their partner's body and they're just pulling them around, trying to make them look good for themselves. When you switch the idea that the feminine is the beauty of the dance and so you're trying to exemplify and make her really shine with a lead and guide system and not with a control thing, then she gets to step fully into her feminine and relax and release and step into a place of trust. And we talk about framework. Framework is boundaries. So if you have good boundaries in your life or in dance, then you can play better. If you have really bad boundaries in life, you get hurt. And a lot of times you'll blame your partner and you'll say it's their fault. But you'll realize how to protect yourself. And so part of the thing is for follows is understanding that you protect yourself by having good frame and by also not trying to control on your side that part of the dance. And so I've had partners that come from the herky jerkiness and they're so tight and so tense and they just won't let go of my fingers And I try to spin them and create some beauty and they're holding on so tight that they dislocate my fingers. And it's, it's wild to think about on that side, right? Cause you just think the guys are always the ones, right? Yeah. They're putting in that power. Exactly. And so on both sides, you're teaching to relax and understand that dance is an invitation and it's a place to play and it's a place to have magic and everyone's coming with preconceived notions, which is why we kind of push into this different dance style that a lot of people haven't done before. And it's really actually the dance of life. It's the duality. And so it's all invitation. And that's where all the actual lessons of dance come from. 
is life and relationships. It's very little to do with any structured, like this comes from this certain style of dance. It's very much, this is how relationships are and this is how this dance is. And so to create a safe space and to allow that magic to happen, you're really looking for creating a good dynamic between the masculine and feminine. And that comes from a lack of control and actually a connection. So you're literally both choosing into this opportunity and by not controlling your partner on the backside or the front side, it allows both of you to step into a place of trust with each other. And that allows intimacy to grow really quickly. And then there are moves like dips where you are fully letting go and fully releasing. And so obviously we teach simple concepts and principles, how to keep your partner safe. But also as a follow, what you don't appreciate right away is that you are in charge of your own safety as well. Mm-hmm. And so you can hold on to different parts of your partner to make sure that you're safe. You can make sure that you dip over your own body weight so that they can't drop you. Or if they did, you just catch yourself. And so these are aspects of life as well. Um, as you are in relationship, if you do put yourself fully out there, there's already that trust built. And until you get there, you actually do little teeny dips and you little, little sits and little things that you can catch yourself just in case. And you step into more and more trust. And so certain partners, they're going to have a different dynamic. <clears throat> Michelle was talking about some partners that think they're the teacher. That's actually one of our rules. You're not here to teach. You're here to play. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And the second that you step into a teaching role, trying to tell your partner, it doesn't create a fun environment for them. Right. I've literally heard three different people say about that same partner. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so I didn't even tell no. him. He knows who exactly. I was, he t- pays attention <laughs> on levels. I am aware. I watch you. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> this last class, I was all the way across the dance floor and I saw one of my students and her face just got just like super frustrated instantly. And I come over and I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I'm good. And then the next dance, she loosened up again. And I was like, she's like, I'm sorry. It was just that guy who was just trying to tell me how to, how to exist. And you think about that in a relationship. Like if someone's constantly telling you you're doing stuff wrong, like that does not create the best environment. And so. And the friend that I got in the car with, I'm like, oh my gosh, did you dance with this guy tonight? And she goes, yes. And it, we both at the same time said, oh my gosh. <laughs> he said the same thing to both of us. Is this your first week dancing? (laughs) Which is funny because he's only been to like three classes. And anyway. Yeah, it's so funny. But I mean, that's funny too, though, right? Because people will reveal themselves. So like you do set the stage, you set the floor. We are all adults. So we get to take accountability and responsibility for our part in whatever. And he'll either learn or or figure it out or he won't. And he'll probably stop coming. But it's such an amazing environment. And on the dips, the first time we start practicing, I just didn't trust anyone. I didn't trust myself. I have two torn rotator shoulders. So I was cuffs on my shoulders. And I'm like, when I first showed up, I thought, oh, shoot, I didn't even think to ask if like I could even do this. But I've never hurt my shoulders. I'm actually getting more and more rotation in my shoulders. I don't ever want to have surgery. So I've been rehabbing these things myself. And this has been helpful for that. But when it came to the dip, that first week was a struggle. The second week, I was more confident. But it definitely pertains to, like, who you're dancing with. Last week, I had a hilarious experience. I was dancing with this guy. We were just getting really silly, really fun. It was the very end of dance class. He was just really throwing me down. I was really sending myself back. I was like, and I said, oh, my gosh, this is so much fun. I I haven't been able to trust anyone like this. And he's. I said, I have no fear that you're going to drop me. I feel connected to you. I feel like I I can trust you. And he said, funny story. (laughs) I dropped somebody (laughs) a year ago. (laughs) And he goes, so 
just be careful that you really understand and that you're really paying There's attention still a risk. to it. Yeah. Right. But that was communication, right? Like right. he was being accountable about his history, his past. And he's like, it was terrifying to me, but I was not putting her into a dip. She just assumed that that's what I was sending her into and threw herself on the ground. Oh, God. And it. so it's like. So a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah, a little disconnect. But in my excitement to share that with him, that opened a dialogue for me to find out about this and to also realize I still need to be cautious and be sure that he is where I think he's going to be and that I don't send myself over there. So it's all the things that you're talking about. And it's like, how often in our own relationships do we not talk about even the little tiny things? And all of a sudden, those little tiny things are not little anymore. And they've actually because become wedges. Because we either fall or get dropped or we start to blame. Yeah. How could you not know this is what I meant or needed or wanted or hoped? Yeah. I put myself all the way out there and you didn't catch me. And yeah. that follow or lead didn't even know that you were about to do that. Yeah. And it's the dialogue. Okay. So here's happen. my question. I see. I can see. At least I think I can see from the outside. The advantage to three or four minutes you're switching. Three or four minutes you're switching. You're not there to create this intimate ongoing relationship you're there to learn about the connection and you'll have different levels of connection with different people that's just human nature right do you offer an opportunity maybe for those who already have a connection i'm thinking like this would be fantastic couples therapy oh, couples where you're come. not where you're not moving it but but they're dancing with different people uh-huh. all night right yep like do you do something where it's the couples who stay with the couple and they increase that strength within the two the male and the female that remain the same, or is it just always shuffle the deck, shuffle the deck, whether you're married or single or divorced or whatever, everybody's got three minutes and you're forced to switch. Nope. So I allow people the opportunity to choose. Um, I encourage switching because in a little three minute relationship, you can heal pieces of your dynamic or see pieces of your dynamic that are struggling. So even as I teach, I can see areas in my own life, my own relationship where I struggle not trusting my partner and not just giving her complete freedom and space where I'm being controlling, right? Like, and so every little opportunity you dance with someone else, something will correlate back into your life. So I encourage that. But at the end of the day, a lot of couples actually stay in their partnership. And then I do do private lessons throughout the week. And a lot of those, they are couples therapy. And it's hilarious because there's always one person that knows dance a little better. And so they're getting like, Oh, you're not doing this right. And fail, fail, not, it's always the person who thinks that it's the other person's fault who's actually has the issue. And so most recently... <laughs> Which is the story of everyone's right. life. <laughs> and so if you turn inward first and focus on more on creating a safe environment, you're, you're going to do a better job than if you are sitting there thinking it's their fault. Like as you're thinking about the dynamics of movement, you know what the move is supposed to look like. But if you're not super conscious that their body has to rotate a certain way and keep their frame a certain way... You're not the follow, so you don't actually know. You've never been in their shoes. And so a lot of times I'll switch for warm-ups. I'll have the, the leads become follows and the follows become leads. Mm, reverse that. And so suddenly they're like, okay, this is harder than I thought. And they give a little more empathy for their counterpart. It was interesting because this man that we were talking about earlier was complaining to both of us about the very same thing. And I said to him, I'm afraid to go back that far. Like your hand's really behind you. And he's like, no, no, you've got to create the tension. You've got to create the tension. And it it was this move where, yes, the woman creates the tension going back, but also like his body was awkwardly, like it was scary. Like I'm like, I, and he just said to me, you need to trust me. My arms are long. (laughs) And I was like, 
I don't think this is usually work. when someone says you need to trust me. It's pretty clear there's no trust there, right? right. I mean, let's be honest. Right. You should As trust in dating. Me. Well, if you hear that thinking, dating, pack up your bags and yeah. run. Find your phone, your purse, yeah, and the door. You should just trust me. You should just trust me. Just trust me. Yeah. Right. The better approach is how can I help you trust me more? Right. And sometimes that's. Let me give you a shorter distance so you do, you can trust, yeah. and then we can work into that. And grow that. into that exactly. longer arm. <laughs> My arms are long. If ever. <laughs> okay, so this is beautiful. There's there's something here. Um, you hear a lot about like horse therapy or music uh-huh. therapy in general, but I don't know that I've ever really thought of dance therapy. And yet everything you're saying makes sense to my mind. Having been in, you know, I was in a in a loving marriage and a relationship, and I can see where that would apply. And and even now as a widow, I can see where you can learn about your relationship by experiencing another relationship. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to be disloyal to the relationship you have. I just think like old fashioned me, if like if Brent and I were here, I think it would be very difficult for the two of us as a married couple to get in a room and switch dance partners every three minutes. It, that would feel so some couples foreign will switch to us. a little bit and then Sometimes this woman, this couple that comes, she's like, no, I'm done. I want my husband back. Okay. She's like, this is our date night. She's like, this is our date night. I want to dance with my husband. And that's great. And like, I don't see a problem with that. And and I also see the value in it. Right. Right. So in my experience, um, they they will rotate a little bit. And then at some point, she's just like over it. I know you say it's not about technique and skill and that, but at some point. You have to kind of know how to move. So what if you have two people that neither one of them is really agile or physically tending toward dance? Can you still make that work? Oh, 100%. I get that all the time. He has me in there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, I can see you being a good dancer, Michelle. You've got the personality part for sure. So what's really... Could you take a person like me and have this work? (laughs) I'm skeptical. You should take a dance right here before he goes. So what's really interesting is literally whatever skill level you're at, whatever you're at consciousness with your own body, you can dance, you can play, you can step into that space. What I've been really focusing on lately is increasing your vocabulary. So dance is a language. It's a communication style. It's a way to play. It's a way to connect. But dance is also, it has a language, right? So there's, there's verbiage. There's like your vocabulary can increase as you dance and you can do that privately. So um, I have a lot of women that are bosses of their own businesses and they show up and they, they take up more space in the world because they have to. They're in a seemingly male world and so they're taking up more space. They walk more confidently, more dominantly. Their feet are wider apart. Their language of their femininity has actually been, they've kind of stifled it. They've lost it. And so in class and in on your own, I teach people walk a little more inline, play around with your vocabulary of your body movement. And sometimes it's just your steps. If you just as a follow, if you just make your steps a little skinnier and if you take off your shoes, suddenly you'll feel more feminine as you walk because you're like, oh, this is smooth and beautiful. You stand the balls of your feet. And so every person has obviously places that they can go if they just push themselves a little bit and they can become more aware of their body and then it becomes a vocabulary of their dance. And so I've had students that one week they're walking wide and wide steps and their spins are a little skiwampus. They can't really figure out why. And I tell them to inline and just practice walking inline in their in their movement or even having the like on a catwalk where they're overstepping really feminine, throwing the hips around. And then all of a sudden that shows up in their dance and it's so fun to play with. It's a new vocabulary. It's new words that they can say. It's new ways that they can express their femininity. And so every person, wherever you're at, there's an opportunity for you to learn something in dance. 
because you get to step into your feminine. You get to step into your masculine. You get to learn how to lead. You get to learn how to follow. So it really doesn't matter if you have zero body awareness or all body awareness. Your connection to your own body will increase as you play in that space. And because it is play, it feels a lot more like magic. Whereas if you're working and you're always in your head, like, I'm not getting this, I'm not getting this. I don't have the technique. I don't have the moves. Then the whole shift focuses and you stay in your head and you don't have an authentic you experience. You're having an experience about your fears and you think your fears mean that you don't actually like to dance. I hear so many people say, I'm not a dancer. (laughs) And how do you even know? You had one experience as a kid where you dance and you got laughed at or you felt terrible and you didn't break through that barrier to find out if dance is actually, if you can connect with music, if you can connect with a partner. And so stepping in that space and allowing yourself to see that fear is the only thing keeping you from that play space, from your self-actualization and creation. As soon as you start letting go of those fears and those walls, suddenly the world opens up to you in magical ways and pieces of you that you didn't know needed to heal, start healing. And that's why it becomes dance therapy. Okay. Incredible. It's amazing. And when my girls were little, I put them in dance. I always want it to be in dance. I am incredibly uncoordinated and I didn't want that for my girls. And so they were in ballet. They were trained for 13 years. We went to all of these dance recitals, classes, all kinds of things. And showing up to your studio, and I walked in the door, and yes, he called me out for, like, being your, you've got to trust your masculine, you've got to be in your feminine. I have been, like, you don't really know my history, but I, I've been involved in Utah politics and on a national and local federal level, so big statewide political races, and very much a man's world, and a lobbyist, so I'm lobbying in other states with mostly men, very much a male world, and I don't think I seem, I'm very feminine, like my internal me is very feminine, and very much connected to that, but I didn't even... I've been accused of being masculine in the dating world. And I'm like, I, you just don't know me yet. And through dance, I've been able to realize it's become second nature for me to just take on roles and be a lead. And to surrender that is at times challenging. And I'm not going to say I mastered that yet. <laughs> but um, it's been an awareness for me that I didn't really have before. Like I was offended when men would say, you're too masculine for me. And I'm thinking, well, you just don't know me. I'm I'm not masculine. And then I realized I can see how maybe sometimes I can appear that way, even though I'm really not. It's just that I'm used to having that male energy first because of the world that I operated in for so long. But I love the idea here that masculine and feminine are are acknowledged as different and yet equal and complementary and both playful that you can get into that space one doesn't threaten the other one doesn't dominate the other because we get to the point where even a man we say he's too masculine he's too aggressive he's assertive he's controlling yeah and we almost look at at true femininity as a weakness or archaic old-fashioned what i love here is we're talking about those two lead and follow a masculine feminine and how complimentary they are yeah. and how they both have responsibilities. They both have something to offer. And to me, that's what's beautiful about relationships, that that finding of that blending where there isn't one dominant and one submissive, 
but it's not the other one's dominant. The yeah. other one's submissive either, you know. So this is beautiful. And different I things can work in different ways. Like we all have the masculine, feminine in, yes. in us. Men yes. and women both each Absolutely. have both of those energies. One of my favorite people to dance with, I would say he's probably more feminine, but he also draws out my feminine. Right. So, And that you're learning from those different yeah, interactions. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm probably a little bit have more tension with him in some ways, but somehow it still works between us, even though he's still the lead. Okay, so it's, this is an interesting process. Until you really need, go and experience Michelle, it, you we need can't you know. To share some of your photo and video of your experience <laughs> at the studio. It's on my Facebook. And and um, oh, good, I'm gonna have to go look. And Jake, in, not me, him. Oh, oh got you, got you. <laughs> I'm not gonna embarrass in, myself. No, we want to see it. Well, the, all about vulnerability, Michelle. Come on, I'll um, get there. We need people like me to feel comfortable going. And if it's only the experts sharing their pictures, other people like me might feel intimidated. Really quick in closing, when is it, where is it, how does somebody learn more or want, if they w- want to venture out and be brave enough to get involved? Yeah. So right now uh, we do Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock. Um, we will be expanding to more lessons and more nights. Everything is under duality of dance. And so you can find that on YouTube. You can find that on Facebook. You can find that on Instagram. Uh, duality of dance. And our Facebook page is the most the easiest way to just kind of find details but I have videos coming up for YouTube, just kind of instruction on a lot of this same stuff. But yeah, so Duality of Dance, right now it's also called the Station Dance Lessons, but it, everything is under Duality of Dance as well. And, and you've only been doing this a couple of years, right? This correct. is going to explode. Like we yeah. can all see this is like the next movement of, we're yeah. going to be able to say, hey, we knew that guy. <laughs> we knew that guy when his studio was yeah, too I small. I want to learn this mm-hmm. yeah. so that I can like Teach include it. this. In, oh, no, absolutely. just include it in my coaching it's, program. It's 100% like, therapy. Hey, you know, this might be useful for the things that you're okay. dealing with. Duality of dance to everyone listening. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. It's It's been very fun, playful, safe. I love all those words. I think it's something we can all reflect on. If you're listening, we hope you'll like the, the podcast. Give us a rating and a review on whatever platform you use. Also, if you're listening, you probably have a story you could share with us about what resilience looks like to you and how you've developed that and discovered that in your own life. So please reach out to us. We would love to connect. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can email us at rrpodcast at ksl.com. And remember, whatever you do today, remember to be kind. You have no idea the struggles others are dealing with in their lives. Have a great day. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.